You know, family, as we were getting ready for service today and, and we were just having our time with the Dream Team and as we were getting one of the things that I was asking for to pray for specifically today is, is that we may have a higher degree, a higher level of sensitivity to the Spirit of God. You know, oftentimes in church circles or oftentimes we talk about how God is moving. And, and you know, if, if things are going the way that we expect them to go, we say, man, God was moving or God was doing this or God was doing that. And in reality, God is always moving. God is always moving. The question is this. Are we sensitive enough to feel his presence? Are we sensitive enough to be able to respond to his prompting? Are we sensitive enough to surrender our desires, to surrender our hearts, to surrender everything about us in order that he may use us in only the way that he can? And I think over the last few weeks, we've been hearing and we've been talking about revival and the things that are going and, and we see the things and, and how people have been so sensitive to the presence of God in Asbury and in other colleges around the nation. And you know, and even though we see that, that, that the people of God are responding and we can clearly see how God is touching people and how God are, different people are responding. You know, I also see a lot of negative things in social media, right? Uh, even from Christians who are criticizing certain things. And I think that that criticism comes from a place of ignorance. And what I mean by that is, is that oftentimes we, we confuse what revival is all about. See, oftentimes we think that revival is for us so that our life could be easier. We say, Lord, would you bring revival in this land so that politicians may repent? Lord, would you bring revival in this place so that we can have a higher place of morality in this place? Lord, would you bring revival so that our life as Christians will be a lot easier here and that we can go back to the values that were previously accepted before, right? We ask for all these things, but we're missing it because revival is not about that. Revival is for us to be reawakened in the Lord. Revival refers to a reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. So if that's you today, I pray that you are responding to the Lord. I pray that the Lord will just wake you up today to His presence, to His Spirit, to His move. And revival simply says this. If you can go ahead and throw that up on the screen for me. Revival includes the following. Again, revival refers to a spiritual reawakening. From what? From a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. And it encompasses the following. The resurfacing of a love for God. Let me ask you a question. Does your love for God need to be awakened today? Do you guys remember when you first came to know the Lord and you would be in His presence and you couldn't but weep? You couldn't just but weep because you're like, God, I love you so much. Thank you for taking me out of that place of darkness and despair. And take, thank you for bringing me out of that pit and bringing me into a place of wholeness and completeness. 
How many of you remember that? Revival says we have to have a resurfacing of a love for God. What about the next one? An appreciation of God's holiness. Do you remember when we just look at things and we acknowledge the holiness of God and because we acknowledge the holiness of God, we would have a reverence for His presence. We would have a reverence for the things that we watch, we see and hear and the things that we do. If that's you, maybe you are in the need of revival. What about a passion for His Word and for His church? How many of you remember waking up and just wanting to pop this open? And just getting into the Word. But oftentimes we are busier scrolling than reading the scrolls. What about having a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin? When we really acknowledge the fact that we're missing the mark, that we have fallen away so far away from where God has once delivered us from. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves going back and living the same lifestyles that we were before. Revival is about repentance. Revival is about a place of saying, God, please forgive me. Because I am no longer walking according to the will and power of the deliverance that you set me, for the things that you set me free from. What about just the spirit of humility? Sometimes we walk around so prideful in our way of thinking, in our way of doing. We think that we are all that and, and then some. Right? And there's no humility. What about this last one? Having a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. I believe that the Lord is wanting us to be revived. Revival invigorates and sometimes deepens our faith. And it opens up the God's truth in a fresh new way. And it's almost as if it gives us the sense of starting over again, of having a clean slate. And many times that marks a new beginning of a life lived once again in obedience to God. See, and what revival does, it starts breaking the charm and power of the world. The Word of God in Romans, the 12th chapter, tells us that we have to be what? Renewing the mi our minds, right? Through the renewing of the mind. And then it says that if we renew our mind, then we will know exactly what God's perfect will is for our lives. But oftentimes we don't do enough mind revival. So we got to be able to have mind revival so that we can break the charm and power of the world. Which often blinds the eyes of the believer. 
And if we do that, we are able to be regenerated, both the will and power to live in the world, but not of it. And oftentimes we forget, right? We, have, we are called not to be, to be, we are called to be in the world, but are we supposed to, are we called to be of the world? Absolutely not. You know, this past Friday at work, we had this uh, CPR, uh, um, CPR class. Can you uh, go ahead and throw that, um, uh, that video, please? And in this video here, uh, I, I've never seen a dummy doing CPR to another dummy, but we see things uh, every day, right? <laughs> uh, so in this particular uh, video here, and uh, uh, one of my, my good, good guys, uh, my best uh, uh, shipping guy is here. He's uh, one of my, my, my co-workers. Uh, uh, love this guy and love his heart and love his attitude. So thank you for being here today, Mr. Clarence. And he actually filmed, uh, took this video. He sent it uh, over to me. And I was like, you know what? How appropriate. Because as I was looking at this video, you know, we're doing CPR. And, 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 uh, and we know that CPR um, uh, combined with uh, AED or defibrillation, it actually improves the chances of survival for somebody by 70%. You know, and as I was looking at that video and I was just thinking, man, isn't that something exactly what we need right now? We need a revival. We need, and, and see, with, 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 with CPR and, and AED, there's a couple things that go on, right? The motion of, of pressing uh, in, in the chest in order to get your blood pumping again and getting oxygen in there. And, and sometimes you got to pause and you got to give the person a couple of breaths so that you can get some oxygen in, the, in, the, in, um, in, in their body. And what I was thinking, isn't that what we need here? Is, is that we just need the breath of the Holy Spirit. We just need Him to really just breathe into us, to bring life back into us. And then one of the other things that you have with, with that is, is that we're putting together uh, some pads from uh, an AED unit or a defibrillator. And what that's doing is basically it's going to send a little jolt into the heart to just get it back into rhythm, get it moving again. And man, isn't that something that the Holy Spirit just has to, you know, just tug at our hearts, jolt us back into, into a place of, of obedience, into a place of where we need to be. And, and that's enough. Um, and I believe that today the Lord is looking to revive us once again by breathing that his spirit into us and by shocking our heart back to life. I believe that it is time for us as believers to awake from a, from a state of dormancy or exignation, a place where we're just sitting stagnant, not doing anything, just kind of just... Rolling through life. And see, one thing is clear. is that revival is for the believer. Yeah. Right? So if you have a person that is dead in, 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 in their spirit, right? Say, for example, if I, you know, doesn't matter how long I keep doing CPR on that dummy. That dummy is never going to come back to life. Why? Because it's not alive. It's never been alive. Right? But for us as believers, we are alive in Christ. And sometimes we're just losing our breath. Sometimes we're growing a little faint. Sometimes we just need to be woken up again. So revival is for the believer. If you are here and you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, you don't need revival. You know what you need? You need to be born again. 
In the book of John, the third chapter, Nicodemus is having a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus tells him this, the following, right? He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is the flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So is there a question to the fact that we need to be born again? And you know, and, and the thing is, is that oftentimes, even me growing up, right, you know, you, you hear about these crazy born-again Christians, and you have such a negative connotation about that. And you know what? And they're right. Because there should be something different about us when we are born again. There should be something that is so new in us that people don't even recognize us. There should be something so new in us that people may think that we have been brainwashed. But in reality, we haven't been brainwashed. We have been what? Our hearts have been washed. Our minds have been washed in the sense that we have been renewed. Born again can also be translated as born from above. Nicodemus had a real need. He needed his heart to change. He needed a spiritual transformation that could only come from above. New birth, being born again, is an act of God whereby eternal life is imparted into the life of that person that believes. John tells us that being born again also carries the idea of becoming what? Children of God through the name of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, and maybe we, maybe we all just need a little bit of renewal. Maybe we all just need something to say, Lord, please forgive me again. So if that's you and you are here and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just, just, just pray and, and just, just pray with me and repeat after me? Jesus, I ask you now, to come into my heart, to come into my life. I know, I confess that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I now turn away from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. If that was you and you just prayed that for the first time, I just want to just say, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family and welcome to just being, being able to have growth in life. So if that was you, please come and, and, and talk to us or talk to one of our leaders because we want to make sure that we equip you, right? We don't want to just kind of get you saved and, and leave you on the side of the road <laughs> and uh, with no lunch or anything, you know, and be like, hey, well, Jesus. <laughs> 
you know, we want to help you grow. We want to be able to help you and, and, and do your next steps with, with Christ. Actually, perfect timing. You know, we got a new believers class starting. So perfect timing. If that's you, please let us know because we want to help you grow uh, in Christ. Amen. So now let's go ahead and get into uh, our message for today. You know, that was just free. <laughs> and now to sub point one of uh, point 50 of my notes. <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm so thankful that, um, that the Lord um, gives us the opportunity to be able to minister to his people and, and just being able to be here, you know. Um, you know, I don't get to, uh, you know, uh, minister uh, behind this pulpit, you know, too often. I, you know, maybe two, three times a, a year. And that's totally fine with me because you know why? It's because I understand that, that what, what matters is my identity in Christ, you know. I only carry the title of pastor for maybe three, four hours a week. <laughs> and then the rest of the, rest of the week... I am a child of God, right? So what I'm trying to say is, is that this right here doesn't define who I am as a child of God. I'm thankful for the opportunity when I get to share the word from the pulpit. But I pray that in everything that I do, in everything that I walk, that I am walking in the fullness of Christ. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, don't, don't just be so sure as to who you are. Don't allow certain activities to define who you are. Amen? Amen. So, um, so our main text from today is we continue our, 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 our series or, or finishing up our series. I think this is uh, the last of it is, uh, um, you know, uh, we, we titled the uh, series this month, uh, Kingdom, right? Not kingdom, but kingdom. And, uh, and the title of my message is Get Loud. All right? And, and, and let's go ahead and, yeah, let's get loud, you know? <laughs> You know, when I, when I was thinking about that, I kept thinking of that uh, Jennifer Lopez song. It's like, let's get loud. Let's get loud. Yeah, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm repenting for singing. <laughs> I, I know Jessica earlier on was like saying, hey, you know, Pastor Jamie often comes and, and starts singing with us. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the Lord has given me a lot of giftings and singing is not one of them, all right? I can play the, the air drums and the air guitar like no other, but... Singing, not for me, all right? All right, so let's go ahead and get into, uh, into the word that comes from the book of Luke, the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 6. Jesus sending out the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them the power and authority to drive all demons and to cure all diseases. He gave them all power, all power to do what? He empowered them, gave them authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to, uh, you know, buy some food. No, right? What did he do? He sent them out to do what? To proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And I believe that there is a direct commandment there, right? It is that the Lord has called us to proclaim his kingdom in everything that we do, whether you are a, a mailman, whether you are doing maintenance, whether you are a shipping clerk, whether you are a nurse, whether you're working in IT, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or dad, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a cook, you're a chef, whatever it is that the Lord has called you to do, he has called you to go and proclaim his kingdom. 
Because your role as a follower of Christ is not limited to here. He is calling us to go and proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. So what does that say? It says that we ought to have our full dependency on him. Understanding that if he has called us, he will also equip us for whatever it is that he's calling us to do. So we got to walk in there with fear, not with fear, but with authority. And being able to be so clear and sure as to what the Lord is calling us to do. He says, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people don't welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Our job as Christians is to share the good news. If they don't want to receive it, say, all right, <laughs> I warn you, what's up? It is not for us to be angry evangelicals, to jump on, on Facebook and write like a 10-page a post about how somebody is not receiving Christ. Well, you know, definitely nobody's going to receive Christ after they read that post. <laughs> So come on now. So God is asking us to be able to be a testimony, you know, for him, but be a testimony against them when they don't want to receive the good news. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. It's the Great Commission. That is the Great Commission. The Lord is calling us, you and I, to go and proclaim, right? He's asking us to go and what? Get loud. See, the definition of proclaim is this. To declare publicly, typically insistently, proudly, or defiantly. To praise or glorify openly or publicly. So what the Lord is asking us to do is to make some noise. And whatever it is that he's called you to do, he's telling you, do it and do it well. Make some noise in the area, in the space where he has put you. He's calling you to make some noise. To do what he's called you to do and to do it well. But you know what? Sometimes in order to do that, we need boldness, right? Where does that boldness come from? Where does that come from? You know that boldness comes from? It comes from an, our intimate time with the Lord. It comes from a place of us having that, that intimacy with him. Being able to just be with him and just saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, you know, let, let me hear you. I am here, Lord. What do we want to do? You know, I heard a, a minister talk about that our private, private health will result in public fruitfulness which speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. So you can't say that you're going to be public good if your private life in, in, with the Lord, your intimacy with the Lord, it is not where it needs to be. So in other words, this passage is telling us that God created human beings for the express purpose of revealing his nature here on earth. So he has called us for that. So the original purpose of God was to extend and establish his heavenly kingdom on earth. Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion 
over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the, of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. So the Lord was asking us and calling us to do what? To be able to be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion over the earth here. So God wanted to colonize the earth with what? With heaven. God wanted to ordain mankind as his governmental representatives. God doesn't want earth to come to heaven, but he wants, what does he want? He doesn't want earth to come to heaven. He wants heaven to come to earth. And that's the reason why we pray in Matthew 6, 9, right? We all know this. We, we know, the, we know the, uh, the, uh, this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Notice that he's, he's, this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And what is the first thing that he's asked, teaching us to do is, number one, glorify God. Number two, he's asking for his kingdom to come here. And then it says, your will be done, right? So now we want to do the will of the Father on earth, right? We got to do it here as it is in heaven. And this is the interesting thing, right? And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. So in, isn't it interesting that he's asking us, before he's provide, giving us the provision, he's asking us to do what? To do his will, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Which reminds me of Matthew 6.33 that says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto it. He's telling us that we got to put those things first. And then he says, and then, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what he's saying is, is that before we even ask for forgiveness, we got to be willing to forgive already. It's saying that in the way that we have already, not it's like, Lord, please forgive me because I am going to forgive my brother tomorrow. <laughs> Please forgive me because I am going to forgive my coworker tomorrow, next time I see him. No, he's saying, please, right? What, what is he saying? He's teaching us to say, forgive us the way that we have forgiven others already. So it's already a done deal. It's not a future tense. It's a done deal, right? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we are called to bring heaven to earth. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we do it? We do it by proclaiming his kingdom, by not keeping quiet, and by allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in us and through us so that we can push his kingdom out of us, right? And that's the thing, is the kingdom of God is already here. It's inside of us. We just have to allow the Holy Spirit to flow in us and push it out. And just being able to push it out into tangible actions that we can see. Does that mean that we need to be on every street corner hitting people with Bibles upside the head saying, repent, repent, repent? Not necessarily, but you know what, though? If the Lord has called you, because sometimes you, uh, you know, uh, my wife shared a podcast with me, and we were listening about this guy who, who were going to the Middle East where they were going to be uh, um, doing, you know, just getting the gospel out. And there was this guy who heard from the Lord and says, you know what? You got to take a van, some lawn chairs at night in the desert, <laughs> right? And you're like, what 
the heck is that for? And if you, you know, as I read, you know, as I heard the podcast, as people ended up coming to know the Lord, they actually were worshiping at night in the desert uh, in the lawn chairs that this guy brought forth. So it's interesting. If the Lord is asking you, speaking you to do something, we just got to be obedient. Does it look the same for everybody? No. But one thing is for sure is that we can proclaim his kingdom by the way that we live on a daily basis. And we need to live a life with purpose. See, and that's one of the reasons why we as the Ortega family have a mission statement. Because I want to make sure that our children are always remembering that there is a purpose in everything that we do. And our mission statement as a family is to do good, to act kindly, and walk humbly with God. Why? Because we want to be good representatives of the kingdom of God. And one, that's also one of the reasons why I have my own personal mission statement that says, to create a pleasing aroma that attracts believers and non-believers to the cross. So what does that say? Again, I only carry the, the, uh, the title of, of pastor for about four, maybe five, uh, five hours a week, right? The rest of it is I'm Roberto, or I'm Daddy, or I'm Honey, or I'm Babe. I, well, Honey and Babe is only for my wife, by, by the way. <laughs> and uh, sometimes Mama, when uh, uh, Dylan and uh, Devin uh, contact me, but that's a different story. So the reason why I want to do that is, is that I just want to make sure that I'm being the best representative of Christ that I can be. That's why, you know, and, you know is, am I putting up a neck? No, I just allow the, whole, the, the, the works of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life in patience, right? When, when people act up at work, when people are being just a little bit crazy or anything else, I, I don't get crazy with them. I just listen to them and I'm just kind and I'm just trying to do that because why? It's, it's just in my nature. It's the new nature that the Lord has given me. Amen. So that's why it's so important for us to be able to have a mission statement, a purpose, so that we can walk on it day in and day out. You know, um, and, and the, the important thing is, is that we have to understand that the way that we live our lives screams volumes to the people around us. It screams volumes to the people around us. I, I say this often, and, uh, and, you know, there are two reasons why people will not come to know the saving grace of Christ. Number one, there's one reason. The first reason is this. They may not know a Christian that will tell them about the good news, about the gospel and saving grace of Christ. And the second reason is, is that they know a Christian, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that, right? They either don't know a Christian that will tell them about the good, or maybe they know a Christian that is not such a great example of Christ. You know, the, the, um, the saddest part for me is, is that sometimes when, uh, when I see Christians, and um, uh, a while back there was, uh, um, at work, there was this particular gentleman that was like very nasty and everything else. And I had no idea, I had no clue that he was a follower of Christ. And then I went into this, uh, uh, we were doing like this, uh, Reinhard Bunky was coming into town and we were doing like this training for these missionary things. And all of a sudden, I see this brother up on, on stage, he was actually part of the praise and worship team. And I'm like, 
I was like, oh my goodness, I, I would have never known that he was a Christian. So again, people will either not come to know Christ for two reasons. They, don't either, they either don't know a Christian or they know a Christian. Which one are you? I'm just going to drink a little bit of water here. I'm just going to let you think about that. Just going to allow the Holy Spirit to ask you that question. Which one are you? But you know what? Nothing on earth is more powerful than the Holy Spirit flowing through the faith of a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Nothing, nothing but nothing is more powerful than the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through the faith of a born-again disciple or Christian. Nothing. It is the, the, uh, the, the greatest superpower available to anyone, anywhere. And you see, when a Christian is full of uh, spirit and power faith, they cannot, they cannot stop, nor they cannot be stopped. They cannot stop talking about the things that they have seen and they have heard. See, the thing is, is, is that people will often challenge you about the different things. Is it a, is it a new earth? Is it an old earth, right? Uh, the dinosaurs uh, exist uh, or not, right? And, and we get into all these different things and we start talking about the tribulation and all these different things and we can get into a whole lot of different doctrines, right? And even as you're talking to non-believers, right, they, they start saying, oh yeah, can you really uh, uh, rely on the reliability of the word of God? That book was written by men and over so many different times. How do you even know? So you can get into all these different discussions about what's in this book, what's in the Bible. But the thing that they cannot refute is what God has done for you. In the, in the book of Acts, they couldn't stop thinking about uh, talking about the things that they had seen, right? That they had witnessed and that they had felt that they had experienced. So even though people may refute the things that are in the word of God, but they cannot refute how the Lord has changed you, how the Lord delivered you from from, from addiction, how the Lord has healed you, how the Lord has healed your, your marriage, how the Lord has healed your mind, how the Lord has delivered you from all these things that once held you captive. So they may be able to say that, but they will not be able to what? Quiet you down. And this means that there is nothing more humanly destructible to the domain of darkness than a faith-filled Christian. So through you, Jesus destroys the devil's work. The only thing that Satan forces fear more than the vibrant faith of a Christian is the unified, collaborative, vibrant faith of a community of Christians. So what that means is that we are powerful as children of God, but we're even more powerful when we are together, when we are united, when we are, when we are working in one mind, in one accord. And that's why we started off with the 12, right? And then we got the book of Acts and all the people that actually saw these things about Jesus Christ. They couldn't stay quiet about it. And because of them, 
we are here over 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years later, proclaiming the kingdom of God. But the problem is, is that somewhere along the way, Satan has found a way to silence us, right? We were called, we were commissioned to proclaim, to be loud, to share the kingdom of God, the good news, to not be quiet. But somewhere along the way, Satan has found a way to silence us. And sometimes he does this just by simply distracting us. By keeping our minds busy. Right? Or as 2 Timothy, um, uh, the third chapter puts it, we become lovers of ourselves. Having a form of godliness, but denying his power. So we become distracted. We come to church. We do all the things that Christians do. But yet... We are so focused on ourselves, we become lovers of ourselves. We come here and we're asking God, God, when am I going to get my blessing? God, when are you going to come through for me? God, when am I going to have that job? God, when am I going to have that house? God, when am I going to have that boyfriend, <laughs> that girlfriend, that whatever, you know? Now, nowadays, you just don't know. <laughs> and you say, well, it's okay. No, it's not okay. The Word of God made it very clear, Right? He made it very clear. So, but the enemy, the enemy keeps our minds busy, right? He keeps our minds busy. And like I said earlier, sometimes we are more busy scrolling to our phone than, to, than instead of reading the scrolls, amen? Matthew 13, 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, right? So this is, this is where uh, Jesus is talking about the different types of seed. And that's exactly what happens. This is that the enemy keeps our minds so distracted, so occupied that we come here, we sit here every single Sunday, and we walk out of here and we forget what we've heard. And that is the biggest way that the enemy is doing to do what? To silence us. To keep us quiet. We have gone from being kingdom Christians to being kingdom Christians. And by dumb, I'm, I am not trying to attack your intellect or calling you stupid. <laughs> I'm not doing that. In reality, the word dumb... By definition is this, as an adjective, is temporarily unable or unwilling to speak. All right? So oftentimes we hear this, you know, hey, you're dumb. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Am I stupid or anything? No, it's like you're just, you're a dumb Christian. <laughs> you know, you're just temporarily unable or unwilling to speak, right? As a verb is make dumb or unheard. Silence. We are called to proclaim the kingdom of God. And we have gone from being kingdom Christians to being kingdom Christians. See, in God's kingdom, it's a place, it's a realm that is here on earth, right? 
Which leads me to point number one. See, oftentimes we think about the kingdom of God and we think that it's in some weird place, in, 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 not here on earth, that it's in heaven and that we will see the kingdom of God. Or oftentimes, point number one is, is that God, God's kingdom is not limited to the four walls of the church. God's kingdom is not limited to the four walls of the church. Psalms 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So that tells me that it doesn't matter where I'm at, I am in the kingdom, right? Not only that, we are, we carry the kingdom of God. So that means that everywhere I go, everywhere I step, I am the kingdom of God, and I am taking the kingdom of God everywhere I go. See, God is not only interested in heavenly things. He is interested in everything in this world. And just because something is outside of the church and considered secular doesn't mean that it is not important to God. Why? Because if we hold to this belief, we will look at people who are not Christian with a very pessimistic and suspicious view that will prevent us from having a sense of kingdom assignment. And oftentimes, we see a difficult coworker, a difficult family member, a difficult acquaintance, right? And we just say, you know, Lord, that's your problem, <laughs> you know? And just think about this. And as I was talking about this with my beautiful bride, she, she brought this up. You know, she was saying, you know what? We got to learn to pray for everybody. Because when you think about it in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, book of Acts, what was Saul doing? What was he doing? He was persecuting Christians. And I wonder how many people were just like, oh, Jesus, that's your problem. You know, it's like, I'm not going to worry about him. No. I believe that the church was praying for him. And then what happened? Paul, you know, Saul became Paul, right? One of the most powerful disciples of Christ. The whole New Testament, New Testament, the majority of the New Testament is written by who? By Paul. So we just have to be careful as to how we look at people because your souls may become Paul's in the future. So it is important in how we look at people. So they will become your, 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 your souls will become your pulse if you learn to see them differently. Do you know that one of the meanings of the word secular is God void or somewhere where God is not? And you know what? And I just think that that's such a big lie. Because according to Psalms 139, there is not a place where I can escape from the presence of God. Again, the kingdom of God is in me, right? So everywhere I go, I bring the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we see so many different things and we say, oh man, that's, that's holy. God is not in there. But God is everywhere. And like I said earlier, whether we sense the presence of God in that place it's not, it's, not, it's not that God is not that. It's just that we are not sensing his presence. Have you guys ever been in a place where it's like the most unholiest of places that you can be? And yet you're like, man, God, I, 
I sense her presence. And you could find yourself in the most unholiest of places, and if you feel the presence of God, maybe he will lead you to be able to talk to somebody, to encourage somebody. But oftentimes we say, well, you know what? Yeah, that place, you know, that's, that, that place ain't holy. You know, now I'm not telling you to go and uh, go into a strip club or something like that and be like, hey, I'm going to bring the presence of God in this place. <laughs> no, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that you got to be wise. You got to be smart about where the Lord has, has where the, the Lord has. Again, we are temples of God. So anywhere we go, he goes. The unfortunate thing is, is that we have created an idea in the church that God is not present or he's not even concerned, that he's only concerned with specific spiritual areas of our lives and our world. But the reality is that God has infused himself into all his design and is unwilling to relinquish any part of it to the enemy. So it is up to you and it is up to me to be able to take the territory back, to take his kingdom back, because he is not willing to do that. Point number two, you must allow your worlds to collide. And this is where I'm going with this. There's a saying that all organized people love, you know, that they say, right, everything has, for everything has a place and everything in its place, right? Organized people say that, right? And Pastor Olga, is very organized. She just said, I was like, hey, that's, I got you. I got you. I'm an organized person, right? I, I, uh, I, I like having everything in its place. If we're looking for something, you know, I always like to be able to say, uh, I can't find something. Honey, where's this? Like, well, did you look? It's right there. Oh, yeah, it is where I left it, <laughs> you know. But everything has its place, right? And you know what that's called when you're organized and everything? You comp uh, compartmentalize, right? That's compartmentalizing, which helps us to stay organized. But sometimes we tend to compartmentalize our relationships, right? And we, we say different things, which reminded me of this old episode from Seinfeld. If you can throw that, uh, that stuff. How many of you remember Seinfeld? I think that uh, if you are here and never, uh, you never had a phone with a cord in your wallet, you may not even remember that. But uh, Seinfeld was a, uh, a, a 90s sitcom that was described as a show about nothing, right? And often just focusing on the minute things of life. And in this particular episode, they were talking about the theories of worlds colliding. So we got George Constanza, right, who was freaking out, was very upset, because all of a sudden, Elaine, one of the other characters of the, of the show, was now making friends with his fiance or his girlfriend, right? And then this is what he's saying. He's like, if relationship George walks through that door, he will kill independent George. Later on, he says, this is not good. Worlds are colliding. George is getting upset. <laughs> and I think that many times in our lives, we don't want our worlds to collide, right? We have our church, you know, this is, this is Church Roberto, okay, so here at, here at church, I'm Pastor Beto, right? I got I to gotta make sure Pastor Beto's okay. At work, I'm Roberto, right? So I got to make sure that Director of Operations Roberto stays there. At home, I'm daddy, I'm husband, I'm whatever, right? And when I'm in the road, I don't know what I am, right? So that means that none of those things could come together, right? And I think that oftentimes as Christians, we just want to keep all these different things separated, 
The problem is, is, is that sometimes um, we, we, we put compartments in our faith, right? We go to church on Sunday. Then we leave it all right here until we come back the next week. Would we be recognized as the hands and feet of Christ if we were outside of the walls of this church? Would we? Would people be able to see Christ in you? You know, I get so excited when I, when I, 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 I see people that are visitors and you're like, hey, how do you hear about us? It's like, oh, so-and-so, I was at their place of business and then they invited me to church. I'm like, praise God, hallelujah. That's amazing, you know, that you're able to invite other people to church. But the question is this, would we be recognized as the hands and feet of Christ if we were outside of the, of the walls of this church? 1 Peter 1.16 says, For the scriptures state, you must be holy because I am holy. It doesn't say be holy on Sunday and at Thursday night during worship practice. <laughs> it simply says be. Be is an active word that is in the moment. It is a verb. It is in present tense. We have to be in the moment and we have to be what God has called us to be right here and right now. So I don't know what God has called you to be, but he's asking you to be just that, who he has called you to be right here, right now. See, in, in some of the areas that we, we, we tend to put God into, into compartments or our faith in compartments is, is that we sometimes never speak to others about Jesus. We never read the Bible outside of the church. We never pray outside of the church. So why do we put things in different compartments? And this may be some of the, the, uh, the, some of the reasons. We were taught that it's rude to talk about religion, right? What do the people, people tell you, right? It's like, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, right? It's, it's, we're taught to not do that, right? We don't want to offend others who don't share our belief. Maybe we think that God is too busy to care about the mundane details, right? So who cares if I'm doing it or not? God doesn't even care. He's too busy fixing the problems of the world <laughs> to know that whether I'm sharing the gospel or not. Maybe sometimes we just don't understand the Bible, so we give up. Leaving it up to those who attend seminary and the church leaders to explain things. But you know what? Faith isn't just about religion. Christian faith, it's about relationship. And you know, and the thing with, with the relationship is, is that it's more of a rhythm than, than something that is forced. It's something that just happens. You know, for example, if, if you're married and, 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 at, and, you know, and at home things just kind of flow, and, I, and I, I gotta say that in our home things just kind of flow. It's not like, okay, honey, so I took out the garbage, you wash the dishes, or anything else. Just things just flow with, without us having to talk about it because it, there's a relationship and things just kind of easily flow together. And, and things just kind of mix, right? So again, it's, 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 it's faith. It's about a relationship. And sometimes when we put different compartments, you know, and sometimes we just say, you know, this thing belongs here and this thing belongs there, 
essentially what we're doing is we're putting Jesus on a shelf. That we only bring him down whenever we need him. Right? As our Savior, he, is, he has more than earned the right to be part of every asset of our lives. For every single asset of our lives. See, when we separate our Christian lives, sometimes we do it and when we're only with other believers, right? How can we show the love of Christ with other people, right? Because sometimes it takes practice. We got to be able to practice our faith. Did you know that your lost friend or your coworker is not your pastor's responsibility? It's not Pastor Jamin's responsibility. Sometimes we make it about that, right? We're like, well, you know what? There's this, this, this guy at work or this, or this lady at work that, man, I'm going to invite her to church, you know, uh, because it could really make a difference. Don't invite him to church. Invite him to your house. Show him the way that you live, the way that you raise your children, the way that you are blessed and what the Lord has done for you. And then if later the, uh, the, you, you decide that maybe you got to have somebody Invite them to church because you want them to be able to experience the life that you're doing. You will not even have to invite them. They'll be like, you know what? Let me come to your church. Let me see what it, let me, let me see this God that, that is working in you and through you. And again, our lost friend or coworker is not Pastor Jamin's responsibility. Because the church gathering was actually not for unbelievers. It was actually for the fellowship and equipping of the church. That's why in 1 Corinthians 14.24 says, but if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by the way of what you say. So what that means is, is that the church is intended for us to what? To fellowship and for us to be equipped. Right? It's great that when we ever invite somebody to church to do that, but let's not put the responsibility on the pastor. Let's put the responsibility on us. Amen? Once again, when we put the faith that we profess on the shelf, how can we truly practice the great commission that Jesus gave to every believer? How are we supposed to do that? Point number three. You are royalty everywhere you go. I think I already touched on this point, but just want to remind you, you are royalty everywhere you go. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, but you are what? A chosen generation. You are what? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But you know what? Somewhere along the way, we got the wrong idea that we are only in full-time ministry if we work in the church. Right? We are his holy people. Royal priesthood. Right? We take the presence of God everywhere we go. But somehow, we have this bad idea that we're only in full-time ministry if our paycheck comes from a church. If that was so, only about less than, less than 2% of everybody here 
would actually be in full-time ministry. Can you imagine if you as a business, if you as a business only had less than 2% of your people actually doing the work? You would go out of business, right? Just imagine that. But oftentimes, we think that we are only in full-time ministry if we're getting a paycheck from the church. But in reality, we are all in full-time ministry. So what this tells me, that if only less than 2% of our church here, right, is in full-time ministry per se, per world definition, shouldn't we, and being that 98% of us are out in the world, shouldn't we be seeing more miracles, more healings outside the church than actually in the church? I don't think you guys are getting that. Just think about it, right? If 98% of us are in full-time ministry, meaning that we are to carry the presence of God everywhere we go, 98% of us are out in the world. Shouldn't more healings, more deliverance, more answer prayers, more miracles happen outside the church than in the actual church? But our problem is this. It's just that we have been quiet. We have been silenced. And then we are just so satisfied with seeing with what we get here on Sunday for two hours. There is something seriously wrong with this. You know, like I said, I, I'm director of operations at my job. And if, if, if 98% of my team wasn't doing any work and I was doing all of the work, there will be some problems, you know. I wonder what Jesus is saying. It's like saying, okay, when are you guys going to get busy? When are you going to do my work? We need to learn to walk in authority and power everywhere we go. But the problem is this, is this that false identity operates in fear. Don't let fear stop you from doing what God has put in your heart to do. You know, I love the opportunities that the Lord has opened up for me um, just, you know, just in, in, at work in the different areas of where I've gotten to do ministry at work. And that's why I consider myself being in full-time ministry. Even though, you know, again, my check is not coming from the church or anything, I, I consider myself being in full-time ministry because I am a full-on Christian everywhere I go. And it's so amazing because um, at, uh, at my previous job, um, and in previous jobs, actually, I've had the opportunity to be able to share the gospel. Do I have to go tell people that I'm a, an ordained minister, uh, that, that I'm a minister here at Impact Church or anything? No, I'd rather just have people be able to know that I'm a Christian by the way that I live, by the way that I walk. You know, um, uh, it's so amazing that one of my uh, previous customers um, the guy, you know, I, you know uh, knew that I was a believer, following Christ. He was going through a difficult time. He was, he's actually a, a, purchasing, uh, a purchasing agent for Caterpillar. And uh, he came and he was, you know, we we're doing a business call or anything. He, was in, he came in my office. And then he just kind of got up and closed the door. And he asked me, can you pray for me? And I got the opportunity to be able to pray for this man 
doesn't interfere with business or any, any extra favor because, you know, he was a difficult guy to deal with. <laughs> but, um, but he asked for prayer, and I was able to write then and there being able to pray for that. The previous owner of my company, he's an evangelist, you know, when we were prayer partners. And we had this, uh, um, we would often, you know, come together in prayer before that, and we would pray for, uh, for the organization and the people and, and the finances of the company. And we started this thing where we had this uh, glass jar, and I was going to uh, show you guys a picture of it, but I, I, I forgot to put it in, in, the, in the stuff. Um, so we had this jar, and then we had these stones, and then we had a journal. And what, what we were doing is, is that any time that we pray for something and the Lord answered, we would go ahead and put in, like, for example, you know, rock number one, we prayed for, we needed two and a half million dollars of business in the next two months for a particular product in order to make our numbers. The Lord answered, we got four and a half million. You know, we needed different things that the Lord needed to come through. And we would just pray and we just put those, those rocks in there. And for me, it was such a blessing to be able to do that because I knew that I was for a bigger purpose than that. There was a time where this lady, her furnace uh, went out all of a sudden. She came in, in my office and says, hey, bro, I just wanted to see if you could, if you could, you know, if you could help me. You know, uh, this and this happened. You know, my furnace, you know, my basement got flooded and blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, no worries. You know, I, I called on the, on the body of Christ, right? And, um, and HP actually helped, you know, put the word out there. And we were able to get money. Within two days, two, three days, she had a functioning furnace once again. Because the body of Christ came together. And see, those things don't happen if we don't work as the body of Christ. If we don't see that our assignment is, doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter the title that you carry, the title that you carry is important. And the only title that should matter to you is the title that you carry as a child of God. So again, I love the opportunities that the Lord presents uh, for us. So point number four. I'm almost done here. Thank you for your patience. You guys are staying awake, so staying alive. Um, uh, point number four, get loud. Luke 19, 37 and 40 says, Then as, as, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude and the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all mighty works they, were, they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called him into the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if this should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Don't allow, don't allow the rocks to you know, outscream you. Don't allow the rocks to be able to be proclaiming more of the, of, of the kingdom of God than, than you. So we cannot let the uh, rocks outcry us. So in order for us to get loud, there's one thing that we need to do first. We need to get our voice back. And did you know that this is a little bit different we actually don't get our voice back by talking. We actually get our voice back by listening to his voice. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. So if we're diligent at searching for the Lord, 
we will find him. So we get our voice back, not by talking. We get our voice back by listening. By spending that time in private with the Lord. And see, I, I, I think that, that, that the, um, the problem with us is that we just haven't been listening to his voice for a while. And we must pray that God will once again turn up the volume of his spirit. Sometimes we can't hear his voice because we have what the Bible calls a seer conscious. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Sear means this. It means that it has been dried and withered. So it means that our conscience has been dried and withered. You know? Um, what happens is, is that through repetition of doing a particular sin, sometimes we just sear our conscience. And it's like this. The first time you do a, a sin, you get a little bit convicted. And now you have, you know, and you know that you have stepped over the line. Then you do it again and again and again. And over time, you don't even feel anything. Have you guys ever been in that place? I have. You know when you've, you know when, uh, you know, sometimes you know that you've already lost a battle when you don't even find, you know, any, uh, you don't find, you know, you don't find it difficult anymore. You know, um, when you're training, um, whether you're bodybuilding or different things, what do you want to do? You want, you want your muscles to hurt, right? In order for you to know that you're breaking down that muscle, that you're breaking down that muscle and you're bringing, uh, building up new muscle and everything. So what happens if you're actually you know, doing you know, weights and you're taking really small dumbbells like, you know, and you're just working and it's not even doing anything for you anymore, right? Is it building anything up? No, it's just, you just become used to it. You're not building anything up. And I think that that's exactly what happens with sin hits our heart time and time over time. We don't feel anything. And see, the reality is that God hasn't stopped talking. But through repetition and muscle memory, we have become good at turning the volume of God's voice down. What do you say, family? I think it's time for us to turn up the volume once again. Today, I want to pray that God will make our spirits sensitive again. That the volume of his voice to be louder than the voices that are telling us to be quiet and to be dormant. It is time for us to reawaken our spirit. It is time for us to be sensitive to the spirit of God, for us to be who God has called us to be, to be his ambassadors here on earth, but above all, to be children of God, to be children of the, of the king. We need to be true to our identity. Can I challenge you today to do things God's way in order 
to show that He truly does govern your life? Because we have to govern what God has given us. Today I'm praying that we will no longer be dumb Christians, but that we will be Christians that are loud, that we will be Christians that are willing to do whatever the Lord is calling us to do. And as we started off, I want to go ahead and bring you back to the beginning of the service of what maybe what we need to do is we really need to be able to pray that we may have a resurfacing for the love of God. That our, our, our love for God will be refreshing to such a point that we just want more of Him. That we can get enough of Him. That we learn once again to have an appreciation of His holiness, of who He is. And what he's expecting of us. For us to have a passion for his word. And for his church. The body of believers. For us to be so aware. Not only of our own personal sin. But perhaps the sin that we have as a congregation. It is time for us to really just tear down our pride. And have a spirit of humility once again that says, Lord, use me today. And we need to get to that point where we just desire, have that desire for repentance. And for us to be able to grow in righteousness. And you know what? And maybe we just don't share our faith because what we do say and act we don't do it perfectly. But I got great news for you. I got great news for you. You may not do things perfectly. You're not asking people to follow you. You're asking people to follow him who is perfect. We are asking people to follow Jesus. I personally don't follow this perfectly. But I know that I follow somebody who is perfect. And our only job is to point people to someone who is perfect. See, and oftentimes we find ourselves in difficult situations and we say, God, please get me out of this situation. And oftentimes, we forget to not, we ask him the wrong question, right? Maybe we should be asking God not to take us out of the situation, but maybe we should be asking the Lord, why do you have me in this situation? And if we ask him, he will give us the strategy. He will let us know what we need to do to get out. God has put favor in your life. God has put favor in his will. And favor has an assignment. And that assignment is the release or execution of the will of God in this world. And today he is inviting us to come into alignment with his will. So if that's you today, 
and you're like you're at this point where you're saying lord i want a higher level of awakening i want to hear your voice i want to be able to that place where uh, that newness of, of your spirit, of your presence is so there. That I can be broken down, that I can pull on the side of the road when I hear something that is breaking my heart, that I will be quick to be able to ask for forgiveness when I hurt somebody. Let me ask you the question, when was the last time that something from the Lord broke you down to the point where you're just like weeping and saying, Lord, please forgive me. And if that's you, maybe your heart has grown callous to the word of the Lord, to the spirit of God. And if that's you today, I invite you to just to, to come up and, and we're just going to go ahead and just surrender to the Lord. So if that's you, I invite you to come up to the front here today as we pray. And if you need prayer, we'll go ahead and pray for you. But I'm just inviting you to come up to just not, not move at my voice, not move at my request, but hear the voice of God, hear his spirit and act to his prompting. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you today, Daddy, that you are here with us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are moving, Lord. Thank you, Father, for those that are responding to your voice and to your spirit. And for those that are saying, today I am saying that I'm going to have that resurfacing love for you once again, Father. Father, today I'm going to appreciate your holiness, Lord. And I'm not going to take things for granted. I'm going to watch how I live my life, how I conduct myself, in knowing that you are a holy God and you expect holiness from me. So, Father, today I pray that you will awaken a passion for you and for your word and for your church, Lord, that we will make ourselves available to be able to say, Lord, here I am, use me. Father, and if there's any sin in our minds and in our hearts that we need to confess, we come before you right now and we declare, Father, that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of your glory. But we are so encouraged, Father, that you are here and that you love us, Lord, that you hear us when we pray. So thank you, Father, that you are here convicting, changing our hearts, leading us, guiding us, Lord. And today, Father, we pray that you will just break down all pride, Father, that keeps us bound, Lord. All pride that tells us that we are good enough, that we are doing everything that we need to do, that everything that we can, we can do on our own. That we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, Lord. And help us, Lord, today to just be broken before your presence in a state of humility. So today, Father, as we seek you out, Lord, we come to you in repentance, saying, please forgive us, Father. Forgive us that we have grown in self-righteousness instead of growing in your righteousness, Lord. So, Father, today we just thank you for the things that you're doing, Lord, in the way that you're moving and the things that you, how we are surrendering to you, Father. So today, Daddy, we give you all the praise all the honor and all the glory, Father. And we thank you, Father, that today we are getting our voice back. We thank you, Father, that today we are learning to get loud once again, Lord. And today, Father, we are proclaiming your kingdom with our lives and everything we do, Lord. We love you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Hallelujah family i pray that uh you continue to be sensitive to uh to the move of god and what he's doing with his people and the things that uh, he's called us to do uh, this is such a beautiful uh, phase where we're going right now and uh, it's not just a moment it's not just a place 
It is something that the Lord has called us to do, to live out His in, in His in His presence, to live out His purpose, to live out His calling. So I encourage you today to just continue to seek after Him. We love you, family. We thank you, and uh, we'll see you next week and through our next appointed time. So if you need prayer, we'll make ourselves available for prayer. God bless you.